Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello and welcome to The Secret of St. Kilda Season 1 Q&A with myself, Michael Island, the director, and Naomi Clark, the writer. So this is the first part of the Q&A, which was streamed live to our Kofi supporters and our Kickstarter backers about their most pressing questions for the first season. We will get straight into it with Naomi taking the first question and then we take it from there. Enjoy. Yeah, we're live. Hello. How's everybody doing? What's happening? Naomi, how long does it take you to write an episode? So um, the answer is anywhere from like a couple of hours to like a couple of weeks. The actual writing is often quite fast. Um, it's more the thinking about, cause I often find that I have a lot of ideas of stuff that I want to do and it's more nailing down which ones I'm going to take. So I think the longest one to write was probably seven episode seven. Cause I sat on that for ages. Um, the scene in the, in the crypt was actually, it was so long. It was so long. Uh, it was like this, this scene is like 14 pages. I was like, but I just want I just want them to hang out and do law and, and flirt in a grave. Yeah, so uh, it tends to be I think about it for quite a long time before I actually write anything. And then once I sit down, it just sort of all happens at once. So because I'm quite a visual person, for me, the writing is more like transcribing something I'm already experiencing. So it's not it's not a constructed thing. I just sort of think of the characters hanging out and running around and then I just write down what happens. Uh, which seems like an insane way to write, but it works for me. Yeah, and then obviously you send them over to me in not necessarily linear order. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then mix like this does not make any sense. <laughs> My well, sweet child, it's getting yeah. the scenes down, which is the important thing because early on, I think we were we started to get stuck on trying to perfect. I think yeah. it's like episode two. I think we were stuck in episode two for a while because we were trying to perfect it the same way we did for the pilot and yeah they got to the point where it's like right we'll just we'll come back yeah Naomi just kept writing those episodes were fast in terms yeah. of how they flew because we had that discussion of in terms of what scenes and beats we wanted to hit yeah and also how they get interpreted so there were a few scenes that I don't think made it or we had an idea for a scene and it completely changed by the time I got to the writing there's not that much on the cotton roof floor, but there's still a, a fair amount of ideas that haven't been explored yet that we'd already looked at in season one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we have the benefit of we work really well together and we're both kind of night people. I'm quite vibe heavy, but Mick is very good at understanding like the details of what needs to happen and why is it like this. And also I had a lot of readers. So I had um, a friend who's a librarian. I have a friend who's like, she writes the Lush Times for Lush. And I had a friend for whom English was their second language. So it's quite useful to put it through like three lenses of technical entertainment and then making sure that it's all very clear no matter like it's not it's not all subtleties like it's it's clear no matter how much of it you're actually listening to if you sort of have it on the background you can still pick it up the main points 
Because I think it's very easy to be like, oh, it's so subtle. Obviously, y'all are all a little bit feral and very good at finding the the underneath stuff. But when we did the edits, I think not everybody was on the same page as to what was going on underneath at first. It took a couple of reads for people to, to kind of click into that. Only a little bit feral. You know, it's good. It means I can be more subtle in future because I was like, mm, people are going to get it. Mick was like, people are going to get it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. No, they're, they're writing to... It's a, it's a nice piece, but everything is kind of, yeah, lovingly cared for and thought out. Yeah, I think um, all the good stuff happens in the edit. That's the real tea. Yeah, the edits are difficult trying to get the nuances. <laughs> what he means is uh, we fight. We fight during the edits as friends, uh, as dear, dear friends. He's like, nah. And I'm like, yes, yes, trust me. Well, yeah, well, that's the... The things that you've got to do with those anyway is pick your fights. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if there's something I feel that won't work, you know, Naomi will, like, trust me, this is how this is going to play out, and let's not get in the way of the writing for it, because if it's in a flow that she's got an understanding for, I'll let it come to it. And then when we're looking at the edit and the composition, how that's understood, so we do obviously do the table reads as well, but how that's understood in the, the space that it's meant, does it still work? Does yeah. the writing work the way we want it to? If not, then I would bring my points up of we don't need this because we have this or this doesn't explain this here. So it's... Um, and I think we respect each other enough to be like, okay. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's things in there that I didn't like. No, I'm sure there is. Uh, I can't think of what they are now because it, it, it feels like it works. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same for you where you would have liked to kept certain lines and things like that. And I was like, nope, I'm cutting nope. it. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think that the truth is, is the best way to make something really good is to just cut aggressively. If you can get away with not having it, don't have it. It's Every single thing has to be of use and tell us something about A, the story or B, the characters in a way that it's, it's irremovable from the script. Yeah, I think that's kind of the deal. Uh, there's a question from Marguerite about techniques we use to plan a season. Okay. Would you like to take that one? Okay. Season one, the techniques to, to plan that. We, we had an idea. I'm not going to go into the, the origins of it, but the, the way it kind of lays out is we want a start and an end point of the series as, as it is. So I think we had like three or four iterations of season one. Naomi and I uh, and, and Ross, we had all the beats of what we want each scene to, to include. So we'd, we'd pick, I think it was about six scenes for each Yeah, um, I think I started episode. with five so it was five scenes per episode and each each episode had a, what are the five things that happen? And then I think the sixth thing was just the line of like, what's the, ah, that this ends on? Yeah, which you definitely got in every episode. If I look back on the initial ones of those, some of those stories aren't going to be in there because we're trying to at least focus on the, on the right things. So that's where we'll start. And then it'll go through that like four or five times. Yeah. Which is, it's a lot, <laughs> but it helps us understand where the story's going. There's actually nothing better than somebody else being like, I don't think this bit makes sense. And you're like, well, let me write it so it does make sense. <laughs> you know, there is definitely some backfilling of people being like, why did that happen? And then you're like, okay, so, well, these are all the things in play, but then also there's this other stuff. 
that's there and they're like okay like i i mean we definitely added we add a lot more backstory from people asking us questions about the script especially like the actors asking us questions about their characters and things and we're like oh well these are the factors that we think and some of those factors did not exist before they answer asked the question but they're definitely there after they ask the question there's even a lot of stuff there that we put in that isn't like you I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the stuff that we've put in there to set up for later seasons. Yeah, yeah, uh, for Which sure. is fair to say. So even though some of those stories haven't been fully explored, they will most likely be coming in, in later seasons. So if you feel like there's a little bit missing, we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how we go through that process of, of uh, laying down. Each and every scene, let Naomi write it. She'll come back to us after a couple of days going, right, I said, done now. Uh, and then... <laughs> yeah. Then I think I, it's like, I'm writing a scene and there's like, here's a full script. Yeah, I, I tend to just like lose a couple of hours. Once the, the trick for me, the difficult part is starting. But once I've started, I'm just like, I'm just fucking in the zone. And it's, it's fun. It's really fun to write the scenes. And I think, especially in the early stages, I write a lot of scenes I don't use. Um, because I'm not quite sure where the start is. But once you found the start, from then on, it's really easy to just keep tacking on next scenes because it's a bit more logical progression. Yeah. So it's you're essentially world building on paper rather than just going, oh, yeah, that's because this would happen and we're never going to see that. But it, it's also really helpful in putting yourself in the, in the right frame of mind. And that's why when you're writing, I just leave you alone for a few days and then you'll send me a message saying need to go over stuff like now i'm like all right <laughs> and we yeah. Uh, yeah we organize that chat then then to get stuff in and out of naomi's head yeah i think often it's it's that thing of just like having someone to be like i think and then and then this and then there should be one of these and then having someone to just be like okay let me order those thoughts for you here's a question do either of you believe in the supernatural slash paranormal you first naomi <laughs> no i don't um, so I like I like the idea of the supernatural and paranormal in in a way. Like I like the idea that the actions that we affect that we do in life have like effect on the world around us. I don't I don't think I believe in ghosts or anything like that. I do have a favorite cryptid, and it's probably Mothman. Um, I'm really like just what a what a fun vibe. Um, and also, I actually have a T-shirt that I made that has got Mothman on a skateboard. But I I think supernatural paranormal. Like I grew up in. Obviously, I grew up in a religious family. There's a lot of like kind of that stuff going on, gifts of the spirit, angels, that sort of thing. I'm just kind of like a I need I need proof. And I know I know a lot about how human beings are built to make patterns. And I think it's very hard to think about the the wider world as a series of strange coincidences and unfortunate accidents that our brain is like mm, pattern and like pulls all the things together. Um, but I think they're fun. I think ghost stories are fun. And I think the paranormal is like a fun thing to play about in. But it, it for me, it is really heavily fictional. You know, Nicholas. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I... I think they're good story devices. I don't think I, I, I believe in anything supernatural. But like the media I consume is a lot of that kind of magic realism yeah, yeah. Um, where it's kind of a blend of these unexplainable things can only be proven by the supernatural aspects. So, like, my favorite author is uh, Haruki Murakami, and that's his 
That's his deal. That's his shtick. And my favorite TV shows are things like, yeah, I'm going to say it, Lost um, and uh, The Leftovers, which, which oh, have got yeah. a lot of religion-based... It's it's all about the, the duality of religion within those, and it's something that I don't believe in, but I feel that it's... That, to me, is the supernatural aspect. It's alien to me, to the point where it's interesting... I think it's very validating to have that belief, but it's it's the whole thing of you have to be able to believe it. And I think that, like, for me, the step just doesn't make it all the way there. Like, obviously, for me, it'd be, it would be great if I was like, if I just do some good shit, then I'm going to heaven. And, like, after I die, it's not like an unending blackness. I'll go to heaven and I won't, like, I won't, my body won't bloat and my skin won't shrink and I won't be eaten by worms. You know, that's lovely to think about, but I just don't think that that's, what I'm able to believe, you know? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Ranch or blue cheese on wings? I can't remember the last time I've had ranch because we don't really get it here. Yeah, it's not a huge thing. Is it like salad cream? Chat, what's ranch like? (laughs) I I was hoping you would know and we would just be like, yeah, fine. Um, Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. I don't really like chicken either, so there's another issue I've got. I had pneumonia as a kid and my balance of diet just changed completely. So like I couldn't eat with like a lot of food um, at the time. So I just, it put me off a lot of food as well. And yeah, chicken was just one that always made me feel sick if I had too much of it. So like, so like I can have like. In all fairness, when I went to visit Mick. We had, we had we had cheese and breadsticks. I get so much that he threw up. And then he was like, yeah, we'll do that again. And it was like, bruh. So chicken nuggets, I'm fine with that. Everybody Maybe loves chicken, chicken nuggets. nuggets. But uh, if it's, you know, bones in it, it's too much hassle. Yeah, you know, I feel like... food a, that I don't give a shit about. I feel like I had really good barbecue chicken wings in Nashville, actually. I think that's the last time I was like, yeah, that's a really good chicken wing. Oh, yeah, we probably don't get that shit over here, to be honest. Yeah. Like, a really mean, good chicken wings. Yeah, it's, you, there are so many chicken shops in London, it's actually offensive. But the chicken is not not necessarily good. Uh, nuggets, I'm a ketchup girl. Like, But uh, when I came to the UK, I started having mayo and ketchup for my chips. I, I have mayo converted. as well, mayo and ketchup. Right? Yeah. Mayo, but with, like, the slightest hint of ketchup. Like, you know how when you go to a shop in the UK, you can always get, like, tea cakes or whatever or a biscuit? Um, In New Zealand, when you go to, like, any, like, cafe or anything, they always do wedges with sour cream. And that is something that we are missing. It's just spiced wedges with, like, sour cream, and it's good shit. Let's have a look. So I've got... How did you go about finding the voice actors? Well, you picked the first voice actors. So you picked Alistair and you picked Alan. And then we did auditions for everything else, and it was open auditions because you may not know, but Darling Dean had never done voice acting before. This is his first voice acting job. Who plays? Um, he plays Robbie, and he killed it. We kind of picked what we thought we wanted, got so many auditions, and then just kept decreasing the the shortlist until we were like, yeah, this is the person that we want. That was so many hours that we spent. It was so many hours. Those. It was so many hours and a lot of fighting as well. Um, we had to have Paddy so we could have a third, like, tiebreaker vote. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we were up to, like, four or five in the morning one night. 
yeah, just listening because there was over 700 of them. <laughs> there was there was like different words that we heard uh, in the auditions that we were like, we will never hear these words in the script without like cringing. Yeah. Uh, though the, the the truth is, is that we're, the reason that we have Maria Nello is because she was so good that she made us not hate the line that we, up until that point we had absolutely loathed, which was, stop, I'll never get to choose. There's nothing worse than having headphones in and having someone saying, stop in your ear you're just like oh god fuck yeah and it's got herbs in it herbs it really it really cut the weave from the chaff people who could say herbs with an h (laughs) which was really sad it was just like ah because you would get like a couple of minutes into things and be like it's savlon with herbs in it we were like in the bin that's a no from me so yeah it's not the fault of the the you know it's a lot of countries just pronounce it that way but it's just what we didn't want for that kind of inflection anyway so it was really important that the h was pronounced <laughs> yeah and also for the for the accent to feel like it the fidelity was right yeah you know we we really wanted to get quite a variety of accents as well one of the one of the few pieces of criticism we've had is that everybody's got accents from everywhere and it's like yes but but that's more fun you know and we like having like a cast of, of people with lots of different experiences. And we like having an island where everybody's not the same because it makes for better and inter- more interesting stories. And I think also outside of the fiction, as creators, we have a certain responsibility to make sure that not all of the people in the show are the same. Ideally, you know, definitely prioritize having sort of a wider, more interesting cast. Yeah, and the other part of that as well is it also helps people understand who's talking because we don't have, you know, we've only got one aspect of the the medium, which is audio. And, you know, if you've got a whole load of American voices or a whole load of British voices, some people aren't going to hear the differences between those. So if we've got people from all over, it really helps with that. And it also adds to what the island is as well. We've got people who were born there and have lived there the whole life. But we've also got people who have came from afar or have, have uh, left the island and came back as well and had those experiences. So the, the accents are, are all going to be something different. Look at us, for example. You know, you're Kiwi Scottish living in London. Yeah. Um, Scouts living in Scotland, you know, people yeah. move about. Yeah. And I think also once you move somewhere and then you go back, your voice re- really never goes back to the way it was. Yeah. Like, I definitely know that my voice at home is quite different to my voice here. I was down like Bill a couple of weeks ago. Everyone's like, you're Scottish. That's such a Scottish voice. I'm like, is it? Is it? Is though? it? Though? Is it really? I don't think <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. And even with you, like, I would say that was an English accent that you've got, but sometimes a Kiwi Slip noise will come through. out of you. Yeah. Um, and when I go back home, people are like, who's this Ponce? Um, yeah. <laughs> because I don't sound very Kiwi at all, uh, especially compared to the rest of my family, you know? And my dad's from New Zealand, born and raised, but he lived in the UK for like 20 years. So New Zealanders think he's English. English people think he's Kiwi. I get Geordie a lot. Oh, yeah, I get I'm South like, African quite a lot, which is very weird. Really? Yeah, it's super weird. It's just like, mm, nope, nope. Yeah, that's, I get Irish. You know what it is? Um, it's because you're miserable, isn't it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> but think, like, like, I can do quite a lot of regional accents. I cannot do Geordie, <laughs> cannot do Irish. So like, yeah, well, we wouldn't do Welsh, do Welsh either. Can't anywhere do Welsh either. there. Yeah. The Welsh yeah. is the one that really gets me. I can't, I can't hold it. It's nice that people move about because yeah, that's the kind of place that we've got at St Kilda. 
Yeah, um, and I think that that's that's really what the world is like. Yeah, and if you think yeah. everybody looks the same, it's probably just uh, your social circles. You're not spending enough time doing lots of different stuff. I think depending on where you live, obviously London is excessively multicultural. There's like over 300 languages spoken in London alone. Um, here's one for you. Uh, what does the process of taking a script and making it a podcast look like? Is there a difference between stage or screen scripts? Do yes. the first half. Script to podcast first. If we're going to take it from script to podcast, my background's in working on TV. And I wrote um, I wrote short films for a bit. And I am not a writer. And I said that to Naomi day one. I am not a writer. Can you do it? Here's my writing. Look how awful it is. It's actually not awful. It's just <laughs> It's boring. not awful. It's just that um, it's just that I'm really mean. I was like, yeah. Ben, garbage, thank you. The thing is, the thing is, like, writing something original by yourself is really hard. But you know what's easier is taking someone else's work and improving it. Like, that's that's the easiest bit. So have, having someone send you a scene and then be like, no, I could do this better is a lot easier. So I, I did have that benefit. As we said, Naomi, this is Naomi's first, first ever writing for uh, a podcast as well. So it's. I think it's my first ever script, technically. So it's it's really understanding what we are because yes, I've read scripts. I've read a few scripts, doing a lot of short films and things like that. So I understand objectively what is good and what is bad. It's it's really taking that idea and, and kind of running with it and being able to provide the the right feedback as well. Having that. Yeah, intuition. I have to be shit sandwiched. You can't. If people are mean to me, I just I just get really really upset yeah that, that was difficult at the start i just need my criticism to be couched in we still think it's good otherwise i'll get and then i get mean it's always been a, a, a struggle reading scripts until i started reading yours uh, and it wasn't i don't think it was because i had a vested interest in it it's just i was i laughed i had a good time i uh you know i was very upset with you for, for the, late, the later episodes you know but like I actually felt something because I'm very much a passive viewer I can go to comedians and sit in the crowd and not laugh but have a good time like I enjoy things but like I don't I'm not a high emotion person yeah so whereas I'm the opposite I'm really really quite a high emotion person having that and, and taking the the scripts that Naomi's got got there because I, I come out with a shit ton of questions why is this yeah. there? Why is that there? What does that mean? Where does that lead later on? She's usually met with, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah. I know. I know where this is going. And I'm like, okay, um, I need to know where that fits in because there was some scenes as well that we moved episodes on. As I think episode two moved. was quite short initially. Like it was the shortest of all the episodes. So we moved scenes that didn't really have like a, a particular time tie to in there and then wrote extra scenes to sort of fill the space in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, like the, one of the, the last scenes that we wrote, sorry, I think we... Sasha and Angelique uh, as well. Well, Sasha and Angelique, yeah, and uh, Georgie and Matthias. Again, that, is also true. that is also um, true. And, and that, that was, was such written, a nice scene as well. Yeah, that was written after the casting was done. Pretty much all the, the scripts were written before then, but now that we had an understanding for Shogo... Yeah. We were able to write more around his circumstances. We've done that with uh, with Angelique as well. From there, it's then a lot of time trying to find the right people to to help you and and understand and have the uh, the intuition between each other. Because a lot of the times, it it just felt to Naomi and I to to push through things. Just the two of us to... up late in the night, being like, nah. yeah, yeah. Mick that makes me laugh, it. and he's also like a good person. 
and so he's quite fun to hang out with so like it, it makes it makes the whole process quite it's like ooh, we're little gremlins making the script together and it's a lot of fun oh so, yeah we have such a laugh yeah you like you think it would be stressful but it didn't really feel that way and in, in the sense of it was like we were hanging out every night <laughs> till two three or four o'clock in the morning yeah, we uh, used to have to stop because I was getting too excited and pacing around. My lungs, my lungs would give up, and I'd be like, <gasps> like wheezing. If you are going to be writing uh, and you, you're looking to to produce something to to get something out there, find your person because it helps with the the mental health aspect as well of just having someone there that you can understand and rely on. And um, I think both of us in our previous projects, it's kind of been us. Yeah. handling the jandle by ourselves as it were with my previous podcast you know i managed all the socials you know i did all the edits um i was the one making sure that things were happening and scheduling and blah 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 and it's you know it's you still love the project but it is it's a lot it becomes quite wearing whereas like because we're doing a team um it's nice to have somebody else to also be like oh, i'm excited about the thing and then you get each other excited and then you're more excited to like work on it and spend time doing it yeah didn't feel like a job until it was like four o'clock in the morning on a on a Tuesday night and like oh shit we've both got to work tomorrow got to be <laughs> yeah yeah so I was going to talk about uh, improving your creative writing skills the thing about doing anything like how do you become an actor how do you become a writer how do you become a creator and the trick is to start it's it's really hard to be like I have to make this perfect and wonderful and everyone's gonna love it and it'll change the world and as a human being with an ego when you make a piece of creative thing it's quite hard to not be like and it must be the best otherwise you know how dare I but it's the thing of like having two cakes you know if people love horror podcasts and you make a horror podcast people are not like how dare this horror podcast exist they're like oh more podcast you know like there's there's more hours in the day and the thing is is if you if you make it and you you commit to being like, yeah, I'm just going to make regular content. The, the truth is that you will find an audience. It, it may not be enough to like quit your job on, but, you know, people will people will engage with it. And I think that improving your creative writing, the best thing to do is to do it. Just do it a lot um, and ask for feedback. That's the, that's the worst bit. The worst bit is having to be vulnerable and being like, is it good? And have people be like, well, it's good, but I would have done this differently or I don't think this works or, you know, and and taking active feedback is not easy, um, but it is honestly the best way to improve. As far as like stuff that you can do by yourself, there's some really good books that I would recommend. The classic is Save the Cat. I don't think that you necessarily need to follow all the rules in the book. Um, but just the idea of making empathetic characters, I think, is really important. And having people that you can root for and having people who drive the action. Those are the big things, you know. And then I have a book called Elements of Eloquence, which is by Mark Forsyth, that I've really enjoyed. So what it talks about is like different structures of the English language. So like about ellipsis, about, you know, metaphor, rule of three and all the sort of technique things that um, a lot of writers use, even if they're not necessarily aware of it, because it's so baked into the media that we consume. So you'll find that there's not a lot of times in the script where I list two things, because we're so used to the rule of three. It's like you must list three things. So it's always finding that third thing. I think those really help me. And also just like go to your library and get books about the thing you want to do. Often I find that you won't take everything. Like don't make anybody else's book your Bible. You know, they're not you. 
they don't know how you write or how you work you know you're making your own thing but out of each like piece of media that you consume you will get something else that adds and makes you slightly better and it's just improving a little bit by doing it yeah and what you always also should know as well is that you all consume media so you understand what you like and what you don't like and what sounds good what feels good yeah you'll have that intuition yourself because it's a medium that you consume so i would definitely recommend everyone to just go out and write and share it with people that you trust who understand who love you but who are harsh that's ideally what you're looking for a little bit of honesty but also a nice enough and if you're like me tell people that you need to be shit sandwiched like be like hey I would like feedback, but first, you know, these are the things I would like feedback on. And I want you to tell me a nice thing before you start. So, you know, that, or uh, the thing that we, that we always say is you should balance good feedback and bad feedback equally. So ideally, if you have three pieces of bad feedback, you should find three pieces of good feedback to balance out. And you need to tell people often, because it's not, it's not like people don't want to like upset you, but they often don't know how you prefer to be treated or there's no point taking on a lot of feedback that's just gonna make you sad i did make changes to the script based on the feedback that we got and it did make it better but i just i just didn't like doing it you know yeah um and it was really helpful so even if it is harsh like i know you took a step back and uh, i had to go away and grumble for a bit but um, i had to to be like it was was still good like it's still you know important stuff and it, it helped us kind of mold the show a little bit better for us to understand where we're going because this was before episode two was written episode three was written we were getting yeah. this, the, the, these feedback sessions in if you've got questions on this 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 and this that we've not explained yet then it also helps us understand that it does need to be explained later on yeah so, that there's a gap missing yeah i think i don't think really after episode one we did much feedback sessions we had uh, the I've, I've, table reads a table reads and yeah. just me and you going back and forth yeah and um, i i had all the scripts went through my readers so I think yeah. I had, so the, the software that we have, um, you can like leave comments and it got to a point there was like 20,000 comments, <laughs> like yeah. inboxes, like, yeah, because there was some disagreements about where commas or a full Format, stop should go. Yeah. yeah. Between two, between two editors. And it got to the point it was like, it doesn't, okay, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good bit of software though, because it yeah, allows it Naomi to, to write and I can read real time while she's writing, even though we're 400 miles apart. And we can live edit as well from either end, which is nice. Yeah. So if Naomi's continuing to write through the script, I'll go in and start playing with uh, scene two and three while she's on five and six. Not sure if you have to pay a subscription for that. I. Uh, it depends how many editors you have. So for like sharing it with a couple of people is free. But um, I paid for the premium one because I wanted more features. Um, there's a lot of features yeah, on there. There's yeah. a lot of features. It's quite good software. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Uh, here's one from last time that we didn't get to. Did any of the fan reactions toward any of the characters surprise you? Were they largely what you expected? Um, you'll you'll got to know. You've got, you, you have to know who the character we were like, huh. Well, there you go. Do you want to say it? Who are you thinking, first of all? I feel like Matthias, like people were really feral for Matthias. And we knew that he was the boy that you love to hate, but I think we underestimated um, the people who were just like, we love Ben. Um, And honestly, I was so worried in episode nine. I was like, people are going to be so mad. Be so mad that I killed Ben. 
obviously I didn't kill, I didn't really kill Ben. He's alive and kicking. Um, but, um, you know, that I killed Matthias, that people are going to, they're going to swear off the show and be like, how dare you? We're never coming back. With Matthias, though, like for me, it didn't surprise me in that sense. The reason for that, though, is because of the writing. Like you, you wrote him as an incel, <laughs> you know? Surprise. Yeah. 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 I thought of what is the worst man that you can have to deal with? And that was what I came up with. Yeah. But also we, we see bits and pieces throughout the, the series of like, he's not actually bad. Yeah. I he's think not... the, I think the truth is, is that sometimes that you meet someone and they just drive you up the wall. There's just like, just everything they do is really fucking irritating and they make you a bit crazy. Um, and yeah. I think that's really the deal with Lockheed Matthias. He's just like, this man just... Mm. Yeah. And I, I do feel that like we've got snippets of how broken Matthias is, how how much his relationships mean to him Yeah. Um, as well. Because, you know, with Georgie, you know, you're with me or against me. It, it, the whole betrayer thing. Like, it's funny using betrayer, but at the same time, like if you look at it a little bit deeper, you you understand he's got severe issues <laughs> yeah um and like the scenes with him and georgie yeah i think we really liked that the the, the, the friendship, you know the yeah. dynamic because obviously georgie is he's he's really steadfast you know like i think he yeah. he understands that people have got their issues but he's kind of the the kind of person that will stand by you um but then matthias is he's so busy thinking about you know, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, that he's not always, he's not always appreciative of what he already has, you know? Yeah, and um, uh, we we get that in the, the scenes with Andromeda crying when she had to kick him out. Yeah. You know, when he went overboard, you've got uh, Georgie still looking out hours later, hoping yeah, to find him. in the dark. Like, these people care about him, even though we don't see much of, of the good things of Matthias. Yeah they're still there to go he's not terrible so i wasn't too surprised that people would take to him and that's what we wanted to have for season one as well matthias was right um, matthias was right yeah like i think actually is... chloe was probably the first person who was really like i know how this is gonna go i was yeah. like nah surely not and she was like no nah, i don't know how this is gonna go it's actually the first thing i said to ben as well when i brought him in because i had sat down with him alan alistair uh, all separately for about an hour, just going through because we didn't have the first script at this point <laughs> before True. we brought them in. So it was just the concept. And, you know, amazingly, we signed up to just the concept. That's kind of how I, I sold the character to, to Ben as well. Matthias is right. Just so you know, whatever happens, Matthias is right. It's, it's nice because we didn't really know what people's schedules are going to be because this is right in the middle of the pandemic that we were really scheduling all this together. Yeah. So we don't know what people were going to be up to, um, how long. And we also didn't know about. how people were going, whether people were going to be invested as we were, because obviously we were like, we love this. We weren't sure if people were going to turn up and be like, okay, thank you, here my lines, goodbye. But now we're friends. We're like, yeah, we love you, we love each other. There was one that I was surprised with the reactions of. Oh, it was the Neathy stuff before episode nine. Mm. Like mm. they kept going, oh, I don't fucking like Neathy. Something about her, something about him, like. How do you know? <laughs> and like we did plant those seeds in there. Yeah. Because she's very intense. 
she's very loving and it's it's very similar to Matthias in that sense of her bonds are the most important thing. Yeah. But they deal with it very differently. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was just... They the, both tried to kill the, someone, it's fine. Yeah, the, um, the Niathi kind of reaction to go, oh, you know, she's... It was a duality to it because I'd read things where people were really positive, like Niathi's the best person, nothing's ever going to go wrong there. And other people were like, I fucking hate Niathi. Darling Ella Watts actually was the first person to say to me after like episode one, she's like, I don't fucking trust her. Like (laughs) immediately. Um, And I think also because I think the thing with Niathi is in those early episodes, you're like, she's very much fulfilling a niche in a story that I would expect to be written by somebody else. You know, like Niathi's, Niathi's whole personality is largely defined by her relationships to other people, especially early on. You know, you don't get a lot of like OG Niathi until quite a few ways in. You know, she's doing what Andromeda asks her to. You know, she's she's being pleasant and available rather than actually having a personality necessarily of her own. Um, and I think almost that's that's what sets people off because the others have quite strong personalities, you know, irrespective of their relationships to others. The conversations that you had with Michelle after uh, I revealed that she was the bad guy later on. <laughs> oh, um, this was so bad. It was like, you yeah. did... You did tell Michelle she's the villain, right? I didn't know how, like... How do you say that? How do you say, mm, by the way, you're gonna do some fucked up shit? But yeah. I think actors love being the villain. Like, that's that's a fun character to play. Like, it's fun the to heel. play someone yeah. who's, like, the bad yeah. guy. No, that's it. It is, it is a fun role um, for it. But, like, well, the way Michelle played it was perfectly anyway because the, the, the takes that I had used for it was the ones where that intensity would be ramped up even though yeah. it wasn't written in the script that way, it was just written as a line, but she's taken that and turned it up. So I think those conversations that you had with it about the character, uh, I'm not comparing it to the kind of opposite Snape. Yeah. It, there's something that you're portraying for the majority of the story and then that flips on its head right at the end. Yeah, I it's... think also because um, the benefit of Matthias is he's very easy to hate. Like... He telegraphs his his feelings, you know, his actions and everything. But I prefer a villain that that we're already invested in. I don't think people are necessarily like 100% evil, you know, and having someone you're like, they have a lot of really good parts to them. But the the, the insecurities that they're running around with, they're really doing a number on something in there, you know? Yeah. And the, the one the signs were there. And I'm glad that some people did pick it up. But that's why I was kind of surprised because we were subtle. We were subtle yeah. with it. So that, that was the one that really surprised me. I, and it was a bit of a relief as well. Like, yeah. have we been too subtle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always that moment where you're like, where's... Like, you? there was definitely some lines that we cut because they were too heavy-handed. Like, yeah. I'm a bitch for, like, a dramatic last line in a scene. Love that. Love a little bit of melodrama. But... um. There were definitely some where we were like, nah, this is overselling it. This is overselling it, you know, and trying to find that sort of balance. Yeah. And I I, I hate cliche. Yeah. Um, I like if it, I like if it feels cliche with ob- a twist. If it feels obvious, then I'm just like, yeah. this is this is not like I don't want everyone to understand where the story's going before we get there. Yeah. Um uh, but I did like in uh, the live the live episode for episode 10 where everyone's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We were like, because yeah, a lot of people could see what was happening, um, and Lockie couldn't. And the fun thing for me was that no one in the audience could do anything about it. 
Yeah. yeah. I was like, your boy Lockie's a bit of an idiot. He's he a himbo, to, you know. Yeah, he needs to be between the lines. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing is, is because we have that extra perspective, it's like, oh, fuck. And Harry was played adorably. Harry was played adorably. We never chatted with Harry. It was it was really good though. Like it was only one take. I didn't have any other option. Yeah. Like to to work with it. It's one take, but yeah. every single time you just killed it. Yeah. Um, you know what was actually the worst thing is um Harry's real time mom listened to episode ten. We were like, don't told don't enough. listen don't listen to episode ten, please God don't don't listen to us killing your child. And she's like, but I wanted to know what happened. Which is like Jesus Christ. Yeah, we did warn. You recovered. We, we were like everyone many we times. We were like, don't, God, don't. So she's fine, but like, it's like sometimes there's just some shit you don't need to hear. And I think that was definitely one of them. I tried not to make it too gratuitous, you know. And we took out. There was a little little Harry like scream Squeal, noise, yeah, squeal. And we were like, that's too much. It should be uncomfortable to listen to. It didn't need to be the visceral. Yeah, I think yeah. there's. I think there's a difference between like telling a story respectfully and telling a story just to just to hurt people and it's trying to find the balance of being like yeah things are terrible so this concludes part one of the secret of saint kilda q a we will be back next week with part two really hope you've enjoyed it and thank you so much for listening The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Greetings. I am the modestly handsome obituary writer of this fetching town of Crestfall, Idaho, and this is Death by Dying. Death is exhausting. And so, after a long day of funeral attending, I had retired to my apartment to get some shut-eye. I loosened my Versace tie and changed into my Egyptian silk pajamas. Are you the detective in town? No, I'm the obituary writer. Really? Someone said you solve murder cases. Murder? I'm Charlotte, by the way. Forgive me, but I haven't gotten past the murder part. Charlotte, the friend I now have, is staying in the apartment above her Aunt Lillian's bookshop. She was my aunt. She was all I had growing up. I need to know why she's gone. Murder is the spice of life. I knew just who I had to see. The Angel of Death. We have become friends over the years. Careful. Death is ever-present. Her pet, the button-eyed raven, moaned inconsolably as usual. Your friends are abandoning you, one by one. You write about death, O.W. But how much do you know about what it feels like to lose someone? The shadow in the dark woods is making its way into Crestfall. Listen to Death by Dying on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher.